awesome. Seven children, from one to seven children. That, that's amazing. You know what's also amazing? What's also amazing is the, the pain and the difficulty that mothers have to go through. We don't recognize it. We don't see it. The fact is, is that we can say that the call to motherhood is a call to suffer. It's the pain and suffering that you go through in delivering the baby. And that never, that ache, that pain, never seems to go away, does it? You have, there's an ache for the child, for the well-being of the child. There's an ache for the health of the child and the future of the child. That the call to motherhood, in many ways, is a call to suffer. Today we're going to celebrate moms, but we're going to look at it with a sober lens. We're going to look at an aspect of, from an aspect of the text that I think is going to be very informative. We're going to go to Exodus chapter 2. And in Exodus chapter 2, we're going to talk about a mom who went through a great deal of pain. Her name was Jochebed, and yet her name in this chapter is not mentioned, but obviously she's referred to. Jochebed was the mother of Moses, and she uh, had to go through, had to give birth to Moses throughout an incredibly tense and difficult environment. She had to make some of the toughest decisions that you can possibly make as a mom. And yet she survived. Now, I know that right now I'm speaking to moms who have suffered. Suffered directly because you've loved your children and you've nurtured your children. And, and you've gone through difficulty. And the question then becomes, how do you get through difficulty as a parent? How do you get through the suffering that so much, entails so much of mothering? How do you do that? Well, I can tell you that the, the answer is hope. You can get through the difficulty of time, you can get through the difficult moments of mothering with hope. But now here's the issue. Hope has a pitfall. See, if we hope in outcomes for our children, then moms, many, many times, not every time, but many, many times, you'll be disappointed or hurt. That might be a mom here whose hope is that her baby will get healthy, will get better, will get healed. And yet, if your hope is that the child would get healthy, better, or healed, that hope might never ever be realized. There might be a mom here who, whose son, you're praying, oh, that he would turn away from his alcoholism, that he would turn away from his drug abuse, and your hope is not yet realized. There might be a mom here whose hope is that your kid will get it together, finally go in the right direction. But if your hope is in the child, 
and that hope could be dashed. See, the pitfall in hope is hoping on the wrong thing. It's a misdirected hope. Now, in the scriptures today, we're going to see where our hope is supposed to lie. Our hope is not found in the consequences or in the direct results that we're looking for or in the circumstances that we're looking for. Our hope is found in God. Now, that brings us to our big idea for today. No matter where you are, and listen to me, right here, we have all sorts of moms who are going through pain right now. Let me speak to a few of you. Some of you, some of you, you had to give up your children for adoption. And it's just Mother's Day is just a reminder to you of the failure that you've gone through, the pain that you've experienced, the regret that you have. I want you to know that there's hope for you. Others of you have tried to raise your children, but it was, you just see a lot of mistakes that you've made. You see a lot of errors that you've done. And you look and you go, oh my gosh, you feel guilt and shame for a bunch of different things. I'm telling you, there's hope for you. Others of you have a broken heart. Your child has passed away. And while there should never be a time where you have to bury your own children, you did. And, and I want you to know that there's hope for you. There's Hope for all of us. Now, this message is important because whether you're a mom or not, our hope is found in the same place. While I'm speaking only to moms, not only, while I'm speaking specifically to moms, I'm not only speaking to moms. Every one of us go through times of hardship and difficulty, suffering and pain, discouragement and, and, and hurt, where we need to find hope outside of our circumstances. Beloved, your hope is found in God, which brings us to our big idea. This is the one thing I want you to remember. I don't, when you're in the painful place, when you're in the difficult place, here's what I want you to remember. God is the mother of all hope. God is the mother of all hope. He is the fountainhead, the foundation. He is the source. God is the mother of all hope, and because he's the mother of all hope, he can bring hope even into your desperate situation. He can bring hope even into your difficult circumstances. He can bring hope even to your great loss. He can bring hope because he's the mother of all hope. He can be the fountainhead of your hope. He can be the reoccurring hope that never runs dry. God is the mother of all hope. And whether you're a mom or not, whether you're in suffering or not, whether you're having the time of your life or not, whether while you came in uh, to service today, you had an argument with the people you were riding in with, or you had the time of your life, God is the mother of all hope. And we'll see how Jacobed saw it that way and moved in that direction. 
and how it changed the history of the world. In Exodus chapter 2, verses 1 through 10, we're going to read. Would you please stand with me at the reading of God's word? Exodus chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. Let's read it together on the count of three. One, two, three. Now a man of the tribe of Levi married a Levite woman, and she became pregnant and gave birth to a son. When she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him for three months. But when she could hide him no longer, she got a papyrus basket for him and coated it with tar and pitch. Then she placed the child in it and put it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile. His sister stood at a distance to see what would happen to him. Then Pharaoh's daughter went down to the Nile to bathe, and her attendants were walking along the river bank. She saw a basket among the reeds and sent her female slaves to get in. She opened it and saw the baby and was crying, and she felt sorry for him. This is one of the Hebrew babies, she said. Then his sister asked Pharaoh, daughter, shall I go get one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you? Yes, go, she answered. So the girl went and got the baby's mother. Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this baby and nurse him for me. I will pay you. So the woman took the baby and nursed him. When, she, when the child grew older, she took him, Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. She named him Moses, saying, I drew him out of the water. This is God's word. Please have a seat. So we'll see in this instance, the world changes. Actually, it's, it's radical. It's very radical, the transformation that happens in this one moment. So as many of you know, but I'll give you a little bit of background, um, Joseph... Uh, who's a part of the Jewish family. He's one of, the, of the, um, the sons of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, right? And so he comes to Egypt. He's exiled there. It's actually a sordid story. His brothers sell him off to slavery, but God can even use evil acts from your, um, from your family members. Now, by the way, as I speak today, I'm, I'm, gonna sp I'm speaking to a lot of different people, right? Mother's Day is an exciting thing, and it's a really depressing thing, depending on where you come from. So I'm going to just give you certain ideas and thoughts here, some for moms, some for kids, but I think um, we'll all find that God is our hope. Well, he um, actually saves Egypt through one, it's an incredible story, 
found in the latter part of Genesis. He saves his people because of a gift that God gives him uh, to be able to interpret dreams. He then serves Egypt throughout famine and feast. That happens, and then he goes ahead and dies, as all people do. Then he, hundreds of years pass, there's a pharaoh who doesn't remember all the good things that Jacob and his family had done. He imprisons and enslaves the entire Jewish community. They are enslaved, and they're, they're, so they're put in forced manual labor. He, God has seen all of this. Now, everything that I just told you is pretty much encapsulated in the first chapter. They're very succinct. The Hebrew writer, uh, Moses, is very succinct when he's telling this story. As they've been slaves, you can imagine the suffering that they've gone through and just praying out to God, God, would you save us? God, would you help us? We feel entrapped, and generation after generation after generation lives and dies, and there seems to be no help. But God is not silent. God is doing something. Interestingly enough, in the first two chapters, as God tells us this story, there is no place where God's name is mentioned except the last two verses of chapter 2. That's very important for us to know because even when it doesn't seem like God is present, God is still working. Even when it seems like God is no longer in the picture, God is still active. So it's at this point that we catch up with our story. Now, a man of the tribe of Levi married a Levite woman, and she became pregnant and gave birth to a son. The reason that this is important is because it's important to prove that Moses is a part of the Levitical line, that he was called by God. Um, when she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him for three months. Now, pause. Listen to me. So I forgot to tell you this part. There's an edict that's given. The, the, the people of Israel, the Jewish people, they multiply to a certain degree. This is a large part that I skipped out on. They, they started to multiply. Pharaoh goes, these people are getting too numerous for us. I got an idea. Kill them. Kill their babies. I, I probably shouldn't, but let me, let me just say this. In this culture, it was okay to slaughter babies. Think about that. Some things never change, though, right? In our culture, it's okay to slaughter babies, too, just as long as they're in your womb. If you're a mom here and you've experienced that kind of suffering, I want you to know that there's forgiveness from, from Christ, that he not only forgives, he heals. Listen, our society is one where inconvenience, where it's just not the right time, where it could be dangerous. Listen to me. You want to talk about inconvenience? All the Israel, all the Jewish boys were bound for death. It was a decree from Pharaoh. You want to talk about inconvenient? They could have all died 
You want to talk about the mother's health? They could have all died for disobeying Pharaoh's decree. Beloved, a life is a life. If it's in your womb, if it's outside of your womb. If you're here and you're young and you're struggling with an idea or a decision of whether to keep your baby, please. My youngest son is one of the greatest gifts I ever got. And he came from a mom who was actively using heroin and crack. Listen. Your baby is precious. Keep your baby. Choose life. In this instance, Moses' mother does impossible things. She chooses life. But when she could hide him no longer, she got a papyrus basket for him and coated it with tar and pitch. Then she placed the child in it and, pull, and put it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile. What's interesting is that you and I don't get from this translation, we don't get what Moses is trying to say. In this point, Moses, the word for basket that Moses uses, interestingly enough, it's only used one other time in the Pentateuch. You know what the word is? It's called ark. Moses is trying to remind the people, yeah, it looks bad. Yeah, Pharaoh's calling for the death of our babies. Yeah, yeah, listen, we're all oppressed and in slavery. But let me tell you something. God is still in the saving business, just like he saved Noah and all those animals. He put a baby in the ark, not a family. Now, this is as close to an, a little basket as I could find. It didn't look like this, but it's the best visual I could come up with. You know, I'm, I'm trying. So she... she gets a basket like this, certainly it doesn't have uh, this little uh, handheld thing, and almost certainly it was covered, maybe with a couple of holes so the baby could breathe. She Think about what a desperate situation you have to be to put in your three-month-old child. It's like, no, not quite. That was a cute drawing, but no, nah, that didn't look like that, but nice try. Liz, I love you. You're a great mom. Yeah, man. I love it. No. Let me tell you why that was wrong. Um, the, the reason that that was wrong is it, it wasn't open. It was covered. Number two, she didn't send the baby down the Nile River, as we'll read in a second. She placed the baby among the reeds. Her, see, here's, the, here's the, the object. She was going to still try to take care of her baby. She was going to try to, and I can prove it to you if you just look at the text. Watch. This is fascinating. You'll see this. Um, then she placed the child and put it among the what? The reeds. She wasn't trying to send them down the river. See, what happened was, is that the baby, after three months, anybody here have it? Like, I mean, right, even throughout the service, we've been hearing babies. Babies at three months tend to make a lot of noise. When you're younger, you, you know, it's just usually two things, but sometimes after three months, as many mothers can uh, attest to, it's difficult to keep a baby quiet. How can you have this baby? When they do their sweeps, they will find that the baby's crying, kill the baby, and kill the family. What does this mother do? She goes through so much anguish. Remember what we said? We said that mothering is a call to suffer. The first suffering that we see this mother go through is the suffering of actually having the baby in a society that doesn't welcome her baby. The second 
thing that we see in the suffering that this mother goes through, Jochebed. The second suffering is the decision to care for her son from a distance. She puts the baby in the basket. Again, ignore the handle, has a cover in it, couple of holes. It has to be waterproof. She puts the baby among the reeds. Why among the reeds? It won't go anywhere. It'll stay stuck there. Now, we know she was trying to take care of him because of this next sentence. His sister, his sister stood at a distance to see what would happen to him. Or a better translation would be to, to watch over him. His sister had stood. So it, would, it was shifts, right? So the adults would go to work and the sister's job. Now, his sister is about, what, 12 years old right now? Maybe 8, maybe, maybe 10 probably around 10, 12, around there, and she's watching the baby. Why? Because you got to watch for the baby. Now, the baby, when it cries, the, the reason that this was so brilliant is because when the baby cries, you won't be able to hear the baby cry. Why? Because have you ever been by a, a river, an active live river? You have to yell. I was just uh, with my son. It was a beautiful day on Friday. And he started to, we went to the beach. My, my wife really likes the beach. And so we went to the beach on Friday. And um, as he was running towards, and he, you, the, the waves were really roaring, I was screaming his name. He couldn't hear me. Because when you have that kind of water, you can, well, that's a great mechanism to muffle the sound. Why? Why would a mother do this? A mother who loves a baby enough to risk her life. Because, the, listen to me, because a mother's call is to suffer. And even if it meant that she had to mother him from a distance, even if it meant she had to walk with that tension, even if it meant that she couldn't be there to watch over him every minute of every second of every day, even if it meant that, she would do that because that's what moms do. And so the daughter was watching over. They're in the reeds. This is an incredible thing. Then Pharaoh's daughter. Somebody go, dun, 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 dun. This is not a good thing. This is not a good thing. Pharaoh's daughter. This is exactly the person you don't want to find your baby. Remember, anybody know who gave the decree? Pharaoh. Anybody know who found the kid? Pharaoh's daughter. Not. This would be like, this would be like hiding Jewish people in Nazi Germany and then having somebody from the military, a German, um, uh, a German person, eat at your home. It's the last person you want there. You don't want them to be found out. Pharaoh's daughter comes. And listen to me. At that moment, at that moment, the daughter could say, God, what are you doing? This is, this is crazy. It's not bad enough that this baby was born in an environment that wants him dead. It's not bad enough that right now he has to live out with the reeds. We watch the basket to make sure that it doesn't sink, that this pitch. It's not like his mother was a sailor. She didn't know how to pitch a boat. She's pitching it the best she can, hoping that it doesn't sink. God, what are you doing? What are you doing? And God goes, I have a salvation plan that's bigger than your life. You won't even see my salvation plan. It's so far into the future. Your grandchildren's grandchildren won't see it, but I'm 
working on a salvation act, one that will bless your people now during your lifetime, but one that will have a greater blessing in the future to a greater people. And so moms, when we see moments like that, where everything seems to be going wrong, your kid was addicted, he's smoking crack, he's drinking, and you're going, God, please help him to stop, and then he gets arrested. You go, God, that's not what I meant. And God goes, but you don't understand what I'm doing. You don't understand what I'm doing. His sister stood at a distance to see what would happen to him. Then Pharaoh's daughter went down into the Nile to bathe. Her attendants were walking along the riverbank. So you get the picture? She's there. She's right. There's no shower head and, and, and bathroom. She's there. She's washing up, doing all that. And her attendants are walking around the riverbank to make sure that nobody else is around. This little girl is probably hiding among all the, the, the trees and all that other stuff, just looking after and just going, oh, gosh, this is going to be terrible. They're going to kill the baby. And also, you want to hear something really uh, intelligent and really cu cute about this? Pharaoh declared that all the babies should be thrown in the Nile River. And it was almost as if Moses' mother said, well, you didn't say exactly how <laughs> to throw them in the river. But that, such is the love of a mother. Such is the love of a mother. Then Pharaoh's daughter went down to the Nile bathe. We said that. She saw the basket. Pharaoh's daughter did. She saw the basket among the reeds and sent her female slave to get it. She opened it. Get it? It was closed, wasn't it? Otherwise, she wouldn't have had to open it, right? You get the picture now? So she goes. She hears the baby crying. Eh, crying, and she goes, get that, what's that basket about? She picks it up, she takes the cover off, she opened it and saw the baby. He was crying, and she felt sorry for him. Now, why didn't she feel, feel indignation? Shouldn't this baby be dead? Her father had decreed a law, because the heart even the heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord. It doesn't matter if you're in power or not in power. It doesn't, mean, it doesn't matter if you're oppressed or you're the oppressor. God is still in control, and God gives this woman affection for this child. God's name is not mentioned, and yet you can see God's hand all over this moment because God is doing a saving work. These Jewish people are going to receive a savior through this incredible trauma that this family is going through. She opened it and saw the baby. He was crying and she felt sorry for him. This is one of the Hebrew babies, she said. She immediately recognized him as Hebrew. Then, I love this moment. Then, once the jig is up, there's no hiding it. The sister comes. Then his sister asked Pharaoh's daughter, could you imagine? She's just like, she jumps out of a tree and then she goes, basket you have there, little Hebrew baby. I couldn't help but over here. Um, would you like me to get one of these Hebrew women to nurse the baby? Seems like he's crying. He's probably hungry. Then his sister, Pharaoh's daughter, shall I go and get one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you? Now, in this moment, we don't know if she's going to drown the baby or she's going to go, yeah, I love, 
one of the great parts about this story is that every woman in this story is a hero. All the men suck. But the women in this story are fantastic. Pharaoh's not doing so hot, but the women are doing great. Now watch this. Look at what we have here. We have a biological mother, one who's acting sort of like as a surrogate mother, you know, who's watching over the baby while mom is not there. Maybe we could call her like, yeah, just a surrogate almost. And then we have this woman who could be the adopted, adoptive mother. You see the different mothers that we have here? God is using all of these mothers to bring about a salvation for his people that people are going to talk about for thousands of years. It is incredible. But God is doing it, and everybody, that day, all the Jewish slaves could have literally gone to work, slaved away, came back, and said, there's no God. God's not doing anything. God doesn't care about us. He's forsaken us. And God is weaving a tapestry. Do you see how God could still be working even in the midst of your pain, even in the midst of your suffering? God could still be working out a salvation for you because he was doing it for them. And then with two words, actually it's just one word in the Hebrew, go. That changes all. With that one word, because she could go, she could either say, tell the, the, the daughter, she could go, no. Take the baby, dump him out into the water. That's what daddy says. And then go about her business. So she could say no, but she has another word. She says, go. The daughter runs. Could you imagine that conversation? Moms, could you imagine that conversation? The, the daughter running back and going, mama, 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 you're not going to believe this. The baby that you had to give up, God has taken up. The baby that you have decided that you couldn't watch over, but God never stopped watching over him. The baby that you realized it was too dangerous for him to stay in your home will be raised in the home of kings. Mama, would you believe this? Go. Shall I get one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby? Go, she answered. So the girl went and got the baby's mother. Pharaoh's daughter said to her, this is the coolest thing. Pharaoh's daughter says to her, take this baby and nurse, her, nurse him for me, and I'll pay you. How you like them apples? Huh? Is how awesome is God? Right? Hey, 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 hey. You know, this kid, this stranger, you mean this strange child that I've never seen before? You'll pay me? Okay. I just happen to be nursing now. I think I can handle that. Thank you very much. What would you like for me to call him for you? She says, when the um, take the baby for, and, and nurse him for me, and I will pay him. So the woman took the baby and nursed him. Yeah, I bet she did. I bet, I bet she, when she came home, could you imagine the conversation with her husband? God has not forsaken us. No, but baby, we're in slavery. We're, 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 this is, we're, we're the oppressed. We're of the weaker class. God has forsaken No, 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 beloved. God hasn't forsaken us. 
Case in point. Would you believe the miracle? Again, God's name is never mentioned, but you could see God's hand, and in your life too. And in your life too. When the child grew older, now we don't know. That could be the ages of four to eight. So Moses is growing up identifying as a Hebrew because his mother is raising him in Hebrew. Now, uh, in the text, it says that the, um, Moses' mother, Jacobed, would take Moses to see um, his adoptive mother uh, frequently. So he had those both connections. Now watch. When the child grew older, she took him to Pharaoh, to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. She named him Moses, saying, I drew him out of the water. Okay, a couple of observations that I want, I want you to see. One, moms, God is the mother of your hope. And I don't care what happened, what transpired, how bad a mom you might consider yourself to be. I don't care what the circumstance. You can trust your child in God's Secondly, can I talk to some kids here? There are certain decisions that your mom had to make. I mean, could you imagine Moses telling this story before he knew the story that we just found out? Yo, you think you had it hard? My mother abandoned me by a river, left me for dead. If it wasn't for the kindness of this Pharaoh lady, I'd have never made it out alive. I'm not a loved person. I'm despised. Beloved, you don't know the circumstances. You don't know the heartache. You don't know the pain and the difficulty that that mom had to go through. And beloved, even when your mom, if your mom had given up on you, God hasn't given up on you. Because God is the mother of your hope. Even if your mom had to leave you by a riverbank or on the steps of a police station. God is the mother of your hope. Lastly, I want you to see that God was working out salvation for his people. He was working out salvation for his people. Now, this is important because anybody know does anybody know what this cat Moses is going to do in just a few years? Anybody? Right? Like one or two, right? If God doesn't do this exactly, listen, if Moses is raised as a Hebrew, he doesn't have access to any of the education or any of the leaders that would then shape his ability to lead and be educated in the future. This writing we couldn't find because even if Moses was a phenomenal natural leader, he would have never been able to write this down because the Hebrew people simply didn't know language. They didn't know written language. They were slaves. And generally speaking, you don't tend to make literate slaves. God knew what he was doing. And 40 years later, Moses tried to do what God had called him to do and failed miserably. And then God had to give him like a 40-year timeout. And then he came back and in God's power this time did the most incredible, it's the reason why this book is called Exodus. They were called 
out. Oh, my God. They were called out of their slavery, of their bondage. Exodus is a book of salvation. It's a book of what happens when God gets involved and you get called out of your life, your lifestyle, the identity that you identify with, when he calls you out of that and he walks you and he calls you into a relationship with him. This is God's moment and nobody will ever know about it at the time. And yet God was doing something powerful and he saved it for us. But let me, let me point it out a little bit bigger because during Moses' time, Miriam's lifetime, she would see the salvation of her people moving from bondage, moving from slavery into, but you know, there was another baby that Moses reminds us of, a baby who was born under a decree who, who the little boys in that time would also be threatened. Their lives would be threatened. And this mother would also have to flee and go to Egypt, interestingly enough. And eventually, that boy would grow up not just to save a nation from his oppressors, but to save the whole world. Beloved, Moses is a picture of Jesus, the one who not only will save you from your addictions and your, but save you into eternity, not just for a moment, but into eternity. Jesus was the picture, or the, Moses was the prototype of the Savior that was to come. There would be another one who would spend not 40 years because he wasn't disobedient, but he would spend 40 days in the desert. There was another one who would not, not at the risk of his life, save his people, but because of his death, save his people. And the people wouldn't be found in a geographical location to move from one place to another so that they might relapse into that same old behavior, but in fact be found and be given a new life in eternity with him forever. This Jesus that Moses points to is the Savior that you and I have been longing for, longing for our whole life. And it's here where we get a small picture of the kind of salvation that God plans for us. So, moms, I want you to remember that even in the most difficult time, even when your heart is breaking, even when you're mourning the loss of your child, you're lamenting a decision to give your child up, you're watching your child deteriorate, you're seeing your child go in the wrong direction, I want you to know that your hope is not in your preferred outcome. Your hope is in God. He is the mother of your hope. And for the rest of us, he's the mother of our hope too. Turn to Jesus. Run to him. So if you're here and you know Christ, maybe you forgot. You forgot. You're trying to find your hope somewhere else. No. Run back to Jesus. Jesus is your savior. 
if you're here and you don't know Christ. I'm telling you, if the Lord was speaking to you today, turn to him. And it's as simple as this. It's ABC. Admit that you're a sinner. I mean, nobody ever had to convince me that I've done wrong things. Nobody ever had to convince me of that. I knew I had done wrong things. I had lied. I had stolen. I had done terrible things. I tell you all the time, I'm the worst person in this room. Nobody ever had to convince me of that. Believe me, all you got to do is admit that to God. They say in 12-step programs that the first step has to do with just getting honest with your condition. Just be honest where, where you're at. You're not a good person trying to be a little better. You're a person who has strayed from God. and You need, you need forgiveness. Admit that you're a sinner. Believe that Jesus died for your sin. And commit your body to him. I say commit your body to him because I know it's provocative. We're not just talking about giving a mental assent and going, oh yeah, Jesus, he's my homeboy. We're saying something much more profound than that. We're saying my body's yours. God, wherever my hopes and dreams, whatever you would have me do at my work, with my family, in my life, whatever you would have this body do, whatever you would have my aspirations to be, they would be under your submission. Admit you're a sinner. Believe that Jesus died for your sins. And commit your body to him. Let him be the boss of your body. Man, that's my prayer for you. You don't need me to tell you pray this prayer. You don't need me to tell you anything. Here's what you need. Listen. Here's what you need. You need to come to Christ. Just come to Christ. So if you want to receive Jesus, I'm going to give you an opportunity to stand, an opportunity to go, God, I've, and, and don't just be like generic and go, you know, I admit that I'm a sinner, whatever that means. No, nah, go Tuesday morning. Tuesday morning, I can't believe I did that. Would you forgive me? 1987, when I did that, yeah, that was horrible. Admit that you're a sinner. Yeah. Yeah. You have an opportunity to do that. Those of you who already know Christ, you can, you can just be praying for those. I love that, brother. That's awesome. 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 Yeah. Is anyone else? Is anyone else? would like to receive Christ. On the count of three, you'll do, oh, but my friends are here. Oh, but I feel embarrassed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jesus died naked on a cross for you. He did it in a public way. Anybody else would like to receive Jesus on the count of three? One, two, three. Would you stand to receive Jesus? I love that. I love that. I love that. Praise God. Awesome. 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 All right, let me pray for you guys. God, I pray that you would make us, that you would make us to know that you are the mother of our hope. Would you help these? Would you help them to deepen in what they've just confessed? That we are, in fact, sinners. That Christ did, in fact, die for us. And that our bodies are yours. Lord, also, would you encourage them to see that Jesus is everywhere in the scriptures? That everything we read in the Old Testament is just one big 
finger pointing to Jesus. And would you help us not only to read the Bible in that way, but to live life in that way. Lord, draw these, your children, unto yourself. For we do pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God bless you guys.